The American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. We must take America back. Main Street to Wall Street, cities and states. Broadcasting Network, Liberty Lighthouse on Mojo Five O Radio, Patriot Nation Radio Network, and everywhere else that you're watching or listening to the show. I am Peter Seraphine, your host for the next two hours of common sense and constitutional discussion. Got a pretty exciting show for you planned this evening. Uh, in the bottom of this first hour, so in about 25 minutes, we got Scott Thompson from Right to Bear Insurance. He's going to come on and tell us all things Second Amendment that are going on in the world today. And then at the top of the second hour, so 7 p.m. Eastern Time, if you're watching or listening live, uh, Paul Engel is going to join us. That's Paul Engel from the Constit- uh, from ConstitutionStudy.com. No, the constitutionstudy.com i found paul in his podcast constitution study and then i found him on america out loud one of them other free speech networks and i reached out to him and said hey paul how you doing and uh he's gonna come on i think we're gonna talk about well i i really like his uh, his uh perspective of the Supreme Court and how the jurist system works in our country. I like how he looks at precedence as uh, not necessarily a good thing. And I also like how he has said recently that, yes, we've had some, let's say, uh, positive Supreme Court cases lately. Some some opinions come from the Supreme Court that those of us on the so-called right side of the political aisle like, but if you actually read the opinions they're not necessarily for the right reasons. And I really liked how Paul encapsulated that in one of his shows. So I'm hoping that we have time to talk about that today. But starting out with, let me give you an update on what I've been working on. Uh, we have my new book is coming out on September 17th, Constitution Day. A More Tyrannical King. I'm really really hoping that if you have any desire, any interest at all in buying my new book, A More Tyrannical King, that you will please pre-order it. If you pre-order it, I might have a chance at showing up on some uh, bestseller list somewhere for a minute. See, pre-orders all get recorded as sales on the day of release, so September 17th. So for an hour or so, I might have uh, my name, my book on one of the bestseller lists for, like I said, for an hour. And I would love that just for a second, you know, be able to screenshot it and say, oh, look, bestseller in the old men who like to talk politics category or whatever. So please, if you're even considering buying the new book, A More Tyrannical King, please pre-order it. And of course, you can do that at my website, liberty-lighthouse.com 
slash books. And then the other thing is uh, the Liberty Lighthouse Classroom. And I, I have to say thanks to those of you out there listening that, you know, what was it, three, four weeks ago, I came on here and I said, hey, I, I might do these classes. What do you think? And we had callers call into the show and say, yes, you should definitely do classes. We need education. The American people need to understand the Constitution. So you showed me that support. And the very next week, I, I had uh, started and I had at least one lesson from one class up. And I greatly appreciate that. And then, so I told you all about that. And then a couple of you went out and immediately signed up to be uh, Lighthouse Light or Lighthouse Keepers, become members of the Liberty Lighthouse Classroom and support me in my effort to create these constitutional classes. And I agree, greatly appreciate that. But uh, to be quite honest, I need one more person to become a Lighthouse Lightkeeper or Lighthouse Keeper. I can't even say the name of my own program anymore. A Lighthouse Keeper. I need one more person to sign up to be a Lighthouse Keeper and that would cover the expenses of hosting these classes and, and pay for the materials and all that kind of stuff. And I would no longer be losing money, at least on that. Now, I lose money on the show all the time, surrounded by thousands of dollars worth of equipment, and uh, don't make anywhere near what it costs to, to uh, maintain this stuff. So it would be very nice if I could at least recoup the cost of the Liberty Lighthouse classroom. So one more person, go to liberty-lighthouse.com slash classroom and uh, subscribe. Become a member of the Lighthouse Keepers. And if you use code Lighthouse until September 17th, until the book comes out, use the code Lighthouse and get half off. So that would be five bucks a month. And as of right now, I've got two courses done, published, ready to go. That's like 50 hours worth of course material that's available there right now for that $5 a month or you can pay for them individually and I've got my two books my two current books up there where you can download those as ebooks if you're a lighthouse keeper and uh, yeah I'm trying to make it worth your money but also cover the cost of doing all this stuff because you know there, there is expense to having all this stuff posted on so I, one more lighthouse keeper, and it's no longer an expense. I greatly appreciate that. I think that's it for the updates. Enough self-plugging. My classroom and my book. Those are the two things going on right now. Let's talk about news for a few minutes, right? Uh, I have this little post-it note that I just recently stumbled across to, I don't know, it was underneath my soundboard or something like that. And it is, for the years 2016 through 2019, it is my income and then how much I had to pay in federal income tax and off to the side, of course, the percentage. Why does this spark interest in me again? Why, why did I think about it again? Well, that's because Bidenomics, because resident Biden is going around the country talking about Bidenomics and how it is saving our country and saving our economy and how Bidenomics is a good thing. Now, I'm pretty sure there's 
let's say, a few of you out there that might disagree with that statement. And if so, you know, you're always welcome to call into the show. This is a live call-in show. The call-in line being 512-248-8252. That's 512-248-8252. So I found this little post-it note of my how much I made in income and then how much I had to pay in income taxes and then the percentage off to the side. And I remember why I did this. I made this little thing in 2020 when everybody was talking about how the Trump tax cuts only benefited the rich and the Trump tax cuts were the problem with the economy and Trump tax cuts are why we're going so far into debt. Let me see. At no time in the four years on this thing, the 2016 through 2019, did I make more than 60, well, made a little bit. One year, I made $65,689. But in the lowest year, I only made $40,000. In 2016, I paid 10% in federal income tax. Now, I'm not, I'm, I'm ignoring all of the deductions and everything. I'm taking how much I paid in tax versus how much my income was. That's it. Forget all the deductions and nonsense and whatever. I paid 10% of my income in taxes in 2016. In 2017, that went up to 10.6% of my income. Now, if you remember, the Trump tax cuts went into effect in 2018. And my personal tax rate dropped down to 7.2%. So, I'm not rich. I just told you what I made those years, between 40000 and 66000 And the year that the Trump tax cut went into effect, I my income tax rate dropped 3.4%. And the following year, it was 75 so I went from 10 and 10.6 to 7.2 and 7.5, the two years of the, of the Trump tax cut that I have here on this little post-it note that I just found. So there's another example of the media lying to us. Again, I'm, I'm not rich. And they said that those tax cuts only benefited the rich. Hmm. Go figure, right? Let's talk a little bit more about Bidenomics while we're at it. So the president is going around the country trying to tout his economic success at the same time. News headlines reporting that for the first time, consumer credit card debt has reached a trillion dollars. Now, if the if the economy is so good, and you and I, well, we're we're making so much money. We got all those those raises, and inflation is going down, and all of that stuff. If the economy is so super fantastic under the Bidenomics economic plan, 
then why did we hit a trillion dollars in consumer credit card debt? You don't have to be a genius to know that credit card debt is bad. Nobody can afford the interest rates on credit card debt. Even if you're rich and you technically can afford them, it's stupid high interest rates on credit card debt. Unsecured loans have the highest highest uh, interest rates. So I asked that question to you, the audience out there. Why? <laughs> if the interest rate, I'm sorry, if the Bidenomics economy is so super fantabulous, why have we hit a trillion dollars in consumer credit card debt. Now, I have to, I'm going to be honest with you here. I'm going to tell you some stuff that you probably don't need to know about me and my personal life, my personal finances. I don't make six figures. I'm just going to say that. I make less than $100,000. I have zero credit card debt. All of my debt is my mortgage and the home equity line of credit that I have attached to my house as well. So all of my debt is tied to my house. Worst case scenario, I sell my house. My debt's gone. No debt. No unsecured debt. I like it that way, and I learned that lesson the hard way. I have two ex-wives, one of which drove me to bankruptcy, and one of them drove me to the brink of bankruptcy. And I've learned not to, not to use credit that way. I have a credit card. I pay it off every week when I get a paycheck because I only use it for the whole cashback rewards thing. I use it for my day-to-day purchases just for the cashback. So I don't participate. I'm not one of the people included in this trillion dollars of credit card debt. So I I would like to hear from you. I I would like to hear your opinion of Bidenomics. Not your opinion of Bidenomics. Let me rephrase that. I would like to hear your experience with Bidenomics. And I'd like to hear that within the next 15 minutes, before, or the next 10 minutes, before we get to the, the first commercial break. And we have uh, Scott Thompson coming in as a guest. I, I, so, 512-248-8252. If you have an experience with Bidenomics and ridiculous amounts of credit card debt, I'd love to hear that. The other interesting things I saw in the headlines that I wrote down on my little notes here are, uh, well, one of two of them are kind of sort of COVID-related. But before we do that, since we're moving into something COVID-related, let's talk about the wellness company. TWC.health, the wellness company, TWC.health, where you can get high-quality American-made supplements, You can get virtual care with doctors and pharmacists that aren't 
part of the woke medical community, the doctors and pharmacists that stood up for your medical freedom. They got canceled because they were standing up for your medical freedom. This is where you can reach it. The Wellness Company, TWC.Health. Use code LIGHTHOUSE when you visit TWC.Health. Whether you're there to get a prescription because you want to be a little bit of a prepper and you want to have a stockpile of the medications or whether you're there just to get good quality supplements or whether you actually need care and you're going to talk to a doctor or a legit issue. TWC.Health. TWC.Health. Use the code LIGHTHOUSE. So speaking of health, I just saw the, uh, well, the, the, the FDA is now allowing, allowing doctors to prescribe ivermectin for COVID. Hmm. I, I'm pretty sure I lost my YouTube account for mentioning ivermectin as a possible treatment for COVID. Uh, about two years ago. Yes, that's right. My YouTube account was completely canceled because I had discussions with doctors about possible treatments of COVID. I lost all of my YouTube followers. They're gone. Yeah, I'm back on YouTube now. I just did that a couple of weeks ago. I created a new channel. We'll see how long that lasts. But ivermectin is now allowed to be prescribed to treat COVID. Do you remember when pharmacists were standing up and not allowing prescriptions for ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine be, to be filled because they thought maybe the doctor was sub- prescribing it for COVID? And, you know, the pharmacist knows better than the doctor you remember that? I do. It was pathetic. Another interesting story, kind of, sort of related, but not really. Remdesivir. Remember that, right? Remdesivir, the, the, uh, the drug that somebody whooped up to treat COVID. The drug that somebody whooped up. And, oh, by the way, Anthony Fauci makes a fortune on that drug? Well, somebody was treated with rendezivir that was contaminated. In that vial of remdesivir were, well, there were little shards of glass. And this poor, unfortunate individual suffered two strokes after being treated with this contaminated remdesivir and also had to have a leg amputated. So he sued as he should. And well, there's the, there's this act out there, this bill, this act, whatever called the prep act that protects doctors and hospitals for treating people in good faith. Pharmacy company. 
they're pharmaceutical companies. It protects them all as long as, you know, malpractice isn't involved. So this guy sued. And, of course, the defense from the people that he's suing, the, the defense they give is, you know, the PrEP Act. You can't sue us. We treated you properly. We gave you the right drugs. But he lost a leg and had two strokes. Well, a federal judge has decided that they can't use the PREP Act for their defense. For the first time ever, somebody is suing around the PREP Act. Now, granted, it is because it was contaminated, not because the drug didn't do what it's supposed to do or because of side effects or anything like that. Because it was contaminated. Now, I only saw that on the Epic Times. I didn't see that on any of the mainstream channels. I didn't see anything about the, you can now prescribe ivermectin for COVID on any of the mainstream channels either. You know, those channels that called ivermectin horse dewormer? None of them were reporting that you can now prescribe ivermectin for COVID. I wonder why. Where did the curiosity of our media go? They have lost all curiosity to investigate anything that might possibly debunk any part of their belief system. They won't investigate this ivermectin story because they all called it horse dewormer. And if they investigate and find out that, oh, look, it was a Nobel Prize winning human medication. And, oh, look, apparently it is effective against COVID. Otherwise, it wouldn't be approved. They won't investigate that, you know, the United States is contracting foreign companies to build wind wind farms off the east coast of the United States. Why are we contracting foreign companies? Well, that's because we don't have the experience. Okay, maybe that's legitimate. But coincidentally, when we started building these wind farms offshore in 2015... At the same time, we've started to see more and more whales dying and beaching themselves. Now, correlation does not equal causation. But 2015, we start building wind farms. 2015, more whales start dying. Hey, Maybe somebody should investigate that. That curiosity doesn't exist in the mainstream media anymore. How about another one that I just saw on one of the more conservative-leaning news networks? 408,000 illegal immigrants are enrolled in American colleges. Who's paying for that? Maybe that's something that 
mainstream media should look into. Oh, no, we, we can't look into that. If we look into that, we might have to acknowledge that millions upon millions of people rushing across the southern border might not be the best idea. Where is the curiosity? Apparently, the curiosity in the mainstream media is gone. It's break time. We'll be back in three minutes. On the other side of the break, we've got Scott Thompson from Bright the Bear Insurance going to be joining us. That's always a good time. Stick around. I'm proud to be partnering with Cedar Mill Fine Firearms. Cedar Mill Fine Firearms does some of the coolest firearms cases you'll find anywhere. Have you ever wanted to carry your AR-15 discreetly? How about a rifle case that looks like a guitar case until you open it up? Go to CedarMillFirearms.com and use the code LIGHTHOUSE the next time you're looking for a cleaning kit or a case to carry your firearms. That's CedarMillFirearms.com and use the code LIGHTHOUSE. Welcome back. I'm Peter Seraphine, and I'm here to remind you that we on the right side of the political aisle, we need your help. We need you to go out there and share the fact that you're watching and or listening to this show right now. Go out there and tell somebody that they need to listen to the show because, quite honestly, there isn't an algorithm out there that helps me a bit. So I need your help in any way possible, and the easiest thing you can do is say, hey, Go listen to this guy. Send him a link, especially if you do it like in person, not just put it out on your social media. An in-person link that you send text to a friend or a family member or something like that. That is the best thing that you can do. That's the best way to help spread the word and help us on the right side of the political aisle. And as I promised, we're coming back and it's time for Scott Thompson. And now, welcome to the studio, FFL holder, firearms instructor, and representative for Right to Bear Arms Insurance and all-around badass, Scott Thompson. I love the intro. So, how you been? I've been good. How have you been? Super fantabulous. Super busy. Well, that's good. Yeah, I have no idea what made me decide that, hey, I just published, you know, I just finished this book and now I've got to promote it. Let me go out and build online courses on the Constitution. I, I, I have no, like, sense of, of timing. I, it's like I have an idea and I just jump on it and do it. And now I've got two things going on at once and it's just not, not smart. But anyway. Well, but one could feed into the other both ways. Someone who takes your course might want your book. Someone who reads your book might want your course. So I think it's a, a great thing to have. Yeah, but I don't need to be promoting the book and trying to build the courses at the same time. <laughs> anyway, so you read, I, I wrote an article two, three weeks ago that was uh, 
basically just spelling out the fact that all gun laws are unconstitutional because um, I can read. It doesn't right. make a genius. I mean, come on. Some of the clearest things in the Constitution are Congress shall make no law and shall not be infringed. Those yep. are not ambiguous in any way, shape, or form. It does not say Congress shall make no law, well, un- unless there's a pandemic, or unless there's civil unrest, or unless this or that or whatever. And the same with yep. shall not be infringed, unless a whole bunch of people die in Chicago, or unless, no, there is no unless. And the, and the founding fathers, half of the men who signed the Constitution were lawyers. They knew better. If they wanted that unless to be there, they would have put it there. Absolutely. Now, granted, the Constitution was originally only supposed to apply to the federal government. So, using that logic, Congress, the federal government, well, they can't stifle your your speech. They can't take your guns, but the state governments can. That was the original logic. And to be honest, I'd be a little better with that, with that than what we got going on right now. We got, you know, the federal government passing gun control laws, and then the Supreme Court saying, "Well, you know, let's use that strict scrutiny idea." And as long as there's a compelling state interest, and as long as you're narrowly tailoring, tailor, narrowly tailoring the law, wow, that's hard to say. Then we'll let that stand. You could, you could do that shall not be infringed unless it's a narrow, narrowly tailored law and the state has just cause. It's a bunch of BS. Yep. And, and I agree with that. And I think the, the left is kind of playing a dangerous game because we've already seen, and we've seen this in Bruin versus New York, where some long-held anti-gun legislation has been struck down because the left was trying to make it more, trying to, to get greedy. Yep. And I think what's going to happen is as they continue to overreach, and, and let's face it, they've, they've gotten arrogant because they've got the White House and they've, they've, they had Congress for two years. Um, and and uh, they, they made it appear as though, you know, the, the election occurred as it did. And they, <laughs> they got arrogant. And, and it's kind of the pride before the fall. You know, I had a, a recent discussion about this. Um, you know, they've got this pride, and they even had a month for it, but but not getting into that. But they've got this pride that we can do what we we can do what we want because we have the will of the people. Um, but if you listen to them, it's funny how much they lie about the will of the people. Um, not to get into political stuff, but Kamala Harris just said the other day there are plenty of polls that show that she's doing an outstanding job as vice president. Yeah. The problem is they're gambling. Yeah. 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 (laughs) The problem is there are no polls that exist that that suggest that, but they know that in the media game, if we say something, nobody's going to check it. Come on. Joe Biden is the liar in chief. He had to drop out of his presidential run in, in was it 85 or whatever. He had to drop out of his first uh, run for the presidency because he lied about, I graduated top of my class, and I was, you know, on a full academic scholarship. And it, no, you graduated close to the bottom of your class. You were at, you had a partial scholarship, and uh, yeah. you know he plagiarizes constantly and never, you know, he, 
plagiarizes in speech and doesn't accredit the original authors. But in fairness, my favorite lies are his second Second Amendment related lies. His yes. Well, you know when the Second Amendment was written, you couldn't own a cannon. B.S. Joe. Not only could you own one, you were encouraged to own one. The the right. most the biggest deadliest weapon of war at that time, the the warship. Well, we didn't have any. Right. They were privately funded. <laughs> they were all privately owned, privately funded, and licensed right. by the state. And that's why I love the argument that some people have is, well, you know, that that applied just to muskets, mm. um, as if they were only muskets in 1776. Oh, wait. But, but the... I, I do believe the first repeater was, was uh, patented in, like, 1720 or something like that. Right. So, so, but, but the point being at that time, they expected the people to have the same firepower as the government. Absolutely. Now and you can have it. Now you can buy a tank. You can buy a fighter jet. Absolutely. The, the hoops that you have to jump through to do it are ridiculous. And the cost is prohibitive just because the government's made the cost prohibitive doesn't mean that it, it somehow changed the game. Um, but there was an expectation that people would be prepared with the same type of firepower. Because remember, I saw something uh, recently where, where someone said, you know, do you think that um, Thomas Jefferson and Andrew Jackson would have mutinied against the government? Yes. Absolutely. Because the government was the, the crown, the, 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 the British monarchy, and we revolted against them to form this great country. Um, so the country was kind of founded on that. That's, that's how we got here. The people were trained and they, they beat the government um, despite all odds against them. Um, so it's, it's interesting when they take that, that argument. Yeah. But that's really funny when they do that because, um, like, yeah, did you never hear of the revolutionary war? <laughs> right. <laughs> and and I, I can guarantee you, Pete, some of them have not. Because it's not something that's taught uh, in in school. Yeah. They're they're teaching limited stuff. Uh, when when it's interesting when Trump got elected, um, and he was up there, and he had the bulletproof glass in front of him as he was swearing in. We asked my stepdaughter, and I don't want to embarrass her. This was many years ago; she was much younger. We asked her, "Do you know why that glass is there?" And she said, "I don't know because it's windy." And I said, "No, it's to prevent any assassinations." Can you name any of the assassinated presidents? And she said, yes, Martin Luther King. And I said, no, he was not a president. She could not name a president that had been assassinated. And I'm not blaming her. I'm blaming the school. Because she, let's see, that would have been about 12, maybe 11 or 12. Wow. So, but. but, You would at least be able to say Lincoln. Absolutely. Right, right. You, you, you'd think Lincoln and Kennedy, um, you know, her grandparents were alive when, when Kennedy happened. Yeah, I, so, I don't expect anybody to remember McKinley. Right, right. Um, I remember so, McKinley. You know what? I actually have a biography of, of McKinley and a picture of McKinley in my dining room. Excellent. Because you know what? my house was built in 1900 when McKinley was president. Excellent. I love that. And my wife, who's a historian, would love that as well. Um, but... That again shows, though, your patriotism. 
and and unfortunately, patriotism has become a bad word um, in 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 this day and age. Um, you know, my stepdaughter still going to school. She she's older now. She sees she's starting to see that what the left is saying isn't making sense. Right. Um, so we're we're at least proud of that. Um, but but she sees that you know patriotism doesn't exist. And you look at you look at the World Cup recently, the Women's World Cup for soccer. Our our players would just as soon not have been on the field or not have them play our national anthem. But you see some of these other countries like like um, Vietnam, who right. look at their quality of life, look at look at what their government, look at their history. They were so excited to be representative of their country. What about, was it the Afghani women who had to be like smuggled out of the country in order to compete? Right, right. <laughs> some of the, yeah. And, and some of them, you know, they, they can't go home because if they don't wear, you know, the head covering, the, there's going to be a bounty on them. They can't even go home from Iran, from, from Afghanistan. So it, it's, it's funny. And we don't hear enough from uh, the WNBA player, uh, Brittany Griner, right. who went to Russia. She's turned around a little bit. A little bit. But, but, but she's, she's not outspoken can't. about it. Right. And that's the thing is we need to hear more. People need to hear more of what she saw and experienced in a country that has socialism and communism. Because everyone talks about Russia being communist. And really, it was the communist party, but it was socialism that they had back in, in, in the, the 70s and 80s. It was the Communist Party, but but a lot of it was the socialist Marxism and and all those bad isms, um, and and I got a little bit of an education on that um, because I do a little work with Yakov Smirnov, um, really? so yeah yeah I, I I help him with some stuff. He um, was hilarious back in the day. I, I would love to meet him. He is hilarious today. Let me tell you, um, like, he he's just as funny. You got to do something. I, I have him on the show. Give him my phone. I have. I would love to meet Yakov Smirnov. I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do. And um, in fact, if if you look at my my personal YouTube, I did put up a little short of me and him um, one day where we talked about you know gun control in the United States and gun control in Russia and how different it is. I'll let you all check that out. Um, but he he is just as funny today uh, as he as he was when I watched him growing up. He's he's great. He's very funny. Very humble. Um, and, and it's great to work with him, but he, he can talk you know, about some of those things. I, I will send you a free uh, electronic copy of my book. If you can get it to him and have him write a little blurb for the back cover. I got like two weeks left to get blurbs written onto the back cover of the book. I'll see what I can do. I can't make a promise, but I'll see what I can do. I would, my, I, my heart would explode if I got Yakov Smirnov to write. In a fact, book here, let me. <laughs> this is to show you how much he loves our country, and and this kind of came up. This this is uh, a little painting that he did after nine eleven. Um, and so I keep that. I I put it down when when we're on camera, but I keep that in my office because again that patriotism. Here's a guy who was born somewhere else. He comes here. He appreciates this country. Yeah, because he knows what it's like to not have the freedoms that we have. Yeah, proper legal immigrants are probably the, the most patriotic group out there but let's, let's talk about this so we got scott thompson from right to bear insurance so it's a great time to tell you about right to bear insurance protect with bear.com 
Use code Lighthouse when you're there, and you will get a 10% discount on the most affordable carry insurance on the market, according to Pew Pew Tactical and a bunch of other awards from other sites. They're the best they're the best value for your money. If you own a firearm, whether you carry it every day like me or not, if you own a firearm, you need to have legal protection, right to bear insurance at protectwithbear.com. Use code Lighthouse for a 10% saving for, on the plan that starts at only $11 a month. Can't beat it. Yeah, it, and, and when we talk about Second Amendment, you know, you and I briefly spoke before coming on. You know, the Democrats, there were 25 Democrats that, that introduced a bill to put a 1,000% excise tax on what they consider to be a any assault rifle, which, again, or actually they call it any assault weapon. Um, they're trying to pull in any gun that can, hand, that can accept more than 10 rounds and is semi-automatic is now an assault weapon. So they're even broadening their scope a little from, from the rifle to now. I mean, every Glock out there, just about, you can get a magazine that holds more than 10 rounds. Um, and, and so now we're going to call everything an assault weapon. I mean, if we're going to lie about one weapon, why not lie about an lie entire about You know what's genre? really funny? I just noticed recently, I, I, I definitely want to get back to that 1,000% yeah, size thing because that's ridiculous. I just noticed recently that most fully automatic, like, you know, the 50 caliber two-handed. Howitzer. <laughs> yeah. Like, most fully automatic, genuine military weapon, grade weapons do not fit the government's definition of assault weapons. You know, really? Yeah. Well, because you look at the definition, the assault weapons, they talk about magazines with more than 10 or 15 or whatever, whatever limit yep. they want to put on it. They talk about forward grips. They talk about, uh, uh, accessory rails. They talk about all of these cosmetic -y things. Think, think of, think of a fifty caliber machine gun. Right, belt fed. There's belt no magazine. Fed, no magazine. There ain't no forward grip on the thing because you burn the hand off. Right. <laughs> there's no accessory rail. There's, there's no folding right. stock. There's no, all of the things. You're right. Are, yeah. So I can get like a machine. For those of you out there that aren't into guns, imagine any movie you've ever seen where somebody is driving down and there is a machine gun mounted in the back of a pickup truck. Imagine that, by most definitions, is not an assault weapon. You want to take my AR-15 where I have to pull the trigger every time to make a bullet come out. Yep. You'll, you'll, that 50 caliber machine gun that has... I don't know how many bullets are in nine yards of 50 caliber ammo. <laughs> right. That's, yep. You know, that's where the phrase whole nine yards came from, right? Like I gave him the whole. Nine nine yards. Yeah. It's the, the belts of ammo that feed those 50. They're nine yards long, <laughs> man. Yeah. And there's a, I, I'm thinking of how wide, even a 50 cal, it's, you know, it's happening. Yep. And, and, Nine yards is 27 feet. I like it. I like it. I like Great. it. So let's the, go back the, to that. The, yeah, so with them trying to do that, what, what we're seeing is, again, they're overstepping. Right? No. They're trying to go around the Second Amendment. They know they can't defeat the Second Amendment, so they're going to say, oh, well, we're not 
telling you you can't have a gun. It's just that that thousand dollar gun you wanted now costs uh, ten thousand dollars. Which so that's- so it changed. Which now nobody's going to be able to afford. So it, it it they're trying to, but that's already been you know the Supreme Court has already dealt with that. Um, so when I was looking it up, it, twenty five Democrats put it forward this time. Last time when they had control of the House, there was thirty seven. So twelve dropped off. No that it's going nowhere but the fact that they're willing to try and this is what this is what concerns me for law-abiding citizens who are carrying uh, a weapon with them on a daily basis is if you get involved in a use of force situation are you going to be the guinea pig are you going to be the one that the the district attorney wants to make an example out of or wants to make a case or make case law from so they're going to even though they know like those 25 uh, congress people know that this is going nowhere even though they know that this case is going to go nowhere, even if they get a conviction, it's going to get overruled when it gets to the Supreme Court. They're going to use you and me and the other law-abiding Americans out there who are carrying guns for self-defense. They're going to use that against us, to, and it's going to bleed you dry. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you were talking about your, your salary information. How about if you had to sell your house? That's why Right to Bear exists. For a low cost, you can have that attorney start to finish on any criminal or civil action and or civil action. So you have that. And the great thing is it's not just if you use the firearm, it's any legal weapon. So if you do anything in self-defense, we're going to cover you. And I think it's important when we look at these times where we've all seen cases where someone got arrested, someone got charged and we didn't think they should. And even if the charges get dropped later, it costs that person money. It costs that person time. Uh, time away from work, which might have led to them losing their job. So I, I think it's unfortunate that we're in a society where a product like Right to Bear is necessary, but that's where we're at. I I was quite surprised. I'm, I'm sure you've seen the video of the uh, the Sikh shopkeeper in California yes. who, who beat the guy with a stick that was trying yes. to rob him blind. I was pleasantly surprised to see that he is not being charged. I thought for sure that that shopkeeper was going was going to be brought up on charges. I thought so too. You know what surprised me most about that story though was something I read today. And I've got I've got 20 years in law enforcement. I'm not trying to you know talk bad about law enforcement. Um but that 711 is across the street from a police department. Oh, I from a police station. <laughs> yeah. Which tells me that the laws and the way they're being enforced in that area are making people believe this wasn't the guy's first time. The reason they took action against him is because like he had done the same thing. Fourth time, yeah. Yes, several days before and several days before that. And if you saw the video, I mean, he wheels a, a trash can over there and mm-hmm. just starts pulling all the cigarettes into it. And he's going to walk out with that trash can like he did three or four times before. The fact that they're that brazen across the street from a police department tells me that the laws or the enforcing uh, enforcement of those laws is so lackadaisical that the the criminals feel they can do whatever they want and that's something we need to change in this country absolutely now i i i rarely leave my house without a firearm and and i do have a badge i'm a i'm an elected constable i i don't act as law enforcement I don't use my badge other than on election day, I go down and I protect the polls, but I carry my badge all day, every day. 
If I leave my house, my badge is in my pocket. And as long as I'm not going to work, there's a gun on my hip and my badge in my pocket. I have no desire to go out looking for for law lawbreakers. I have no desire to to be a you know full-time police officer. But if I see something, I'm going to stop it. Like I go the wife kind of laughs at me like we go someplace we go to the movies and she's like you don't need that we're going to the movies i'm like yeah i do because the time i don't bring the firearm is the time i'm going to need the firearm and then when we get to the movies and we sit down in the theater i'm in my head and i'm looking at okay well if there's a threat in here it's coming from that direction so what am i i'm gonna yeah. throw her that way and i'm going that way and you know like and it's sad that our society has devolved to the point that I have to feel compelled to think about that no matter where we go. Like, you know, go into a restaurant. I want my back to a wall facing the front door so I can see people coming in. Like, yep. Yep. It's not, it's not a good feeling. And, and unfortunately, you know, until criminals are fully held accountable, the thing is we don't need new laws. No. There are plenty of laws on the books right now that that probably violate and do violate the Second Amendment in a lot of cases. All of them. But if we would enforce some of them and put people in jail, then we wouldn't have this situation. And and here's the proof: in all of the cities and uh, that they've they've come up with this cash ba- or zero cash bail where they just right. let everyone out, crime has gone through the roof. Uh, and, and so that case, again, with the Seven Eleven across from the police station, that guy has also been arrested several times, but wasn't prosecuted, wasn't in jail. And that's someone that shouldn't have been allowed to be out to do that. And in that area, I also read they recently uh, increased the level of theft that becomes a felony. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that basically says, hey, if you do under this amount then it's just a misdemeanor. And and I know in some states, that amount is now $1,000. Right. Which, if you're stealing TVs, yeah, you're going to get to that with one TV, potentially. But if you're going for something like cigarettes, or they're going out and they're stealing um, dishwashing liquid or washing machine liquid, and when they say, well, people are just doing it because they need to survive, well, you don't need 58 <laughs> bottles of Tide right. to survive. If you walked out with one and a bag of bread, you know what? I can maybe feel for you. But when you're loading up shopping carts and walking out and you're getting them to where they're at $995 worth of goods, Mm -hmm. you've been doing this. You know what's going on. You know how many bottles you can take before it becomes a felony. And you're playing the game. And unfortunately, we've tipped the, the, the rules in favor of the bad guys. And we need to turn that around. If I'm playing security guard or whatever at at a store, let's say a Walmart, you know, I they hired me as armed security. If I see somebody trying to sneak out with a loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter, I'm probably going to turn my head and let them go. Yeah, because they're taking a loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter. They're starving. They yep. have children to feed and they don't have money. You try pushing out a flat screen TV or you know a, a a whole shopping cart full of grocery of uh, laundry steaks and steak and lobster tail. They're going for the high end stuff that they can resell for money. 
and that's that's the difference. That is exactly the difference. Like, if it really was for survival, you'd be taking staple items. You you know, yep. a bag of rice. Uh, you know, yep, a giant sack of dried beans that you could feed a family with for a month. Right. <laughs> but that's not what it is. No, it's all about making us the bad guys and being so open and tolerant and you have to accept everybody. I don't have to accept anybody. You might think I'm a jerk. That's your right. My right. If I want to be a jerk, I can be a jerk. That's the beauty of America. We were founded on. We were we were the bratty kid who wanted to tell his parents we're going to start our own family and we did. And uh-huh. and that's what, you know, that's that's what we need to remember is that at that time also everything was done for the best of the majority. And unfortunately right now we're pandering to the silent minority. Um, I don't use minority as as a racial term, but everything that we're doing is for the smallest number of people and and yet we have to change all of our rules and laws to make them feel better uh, as opposed to to being out there. So everyone should go and sign up at Protect with Bear and use Lighthouse as the code. And uh, if you have any questions, I'm here every second Thursday. So come join us back on the show. That's right. Scott Thompson, right to bear insurance. Protectwithbear.com. Use code Lighthouse second Thursday of every month. See you next month, Scott. All right. See ya. If you live stream, I want you to check out Restream. Restream is how this broadcast is being simultaneously sent to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, DLive, and Rumble. Not only that, but your guests can also pair their video platforms with your broadcast and have your broadcast on your platforms and their platforms all at the same time. Go to liberty-lighthouse.com slash restream, and I'll save you $10 off for the premium service that I know you're going to want. That's liberty-lighthouse.com slash restream. The American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. We must eat Mary Go back 
Welcome back to the top of the second hour of National Intel Report live on Republic Broadcasting Network. Liberty Lighthouse on Mojo 5 Radio, Patriot Nation Radio Network, and any place else you might be watching or listening to us from. Uh, as I promised, we've got uh, Paul Engel from the Constitution Studied, or I keep saying the. Paul Engel from ConstitutionStudy.com is joining us, as I promised, right here at the top of the hour. However, we've got Sarah in Oregon on line one. So with your permission, Paul, I'd like to take the caller before we... Be my guest. It's your show. All right. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi. As I said before, and I will say again, please share the show out. And be important that I have a Twitter space next week about the importance of sharing the right wing right-wing content. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sarah. Have a great night. Sarah is one of the biggest supporters of our show. She calls almost every week, and just to remind people to uh, share links and spread the word, because, you know, we on the right side of the political aisle, we don't get help from the algorithms. Anyway, Paul Engel, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here today. Um. I, I came across to you in in uh, your podcast, the uh, Constitution Study, and I really like your perspective on things, partly because you're a constitutional originalist like myself, and partly because you do a pretty darn good job of explaining things in a way that Joe Schmo can understand without getting buried in the weeds. Yeah, thank you. I think that's my superpower is the ability to explain complex and odd things in a way that is easily understandable by the average everyday person. Yeah. I which I, I which makes sense. The, 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 the tagline for the Constitution study is returning the Constitution to we the people. So it kind of helps if I can explain it in a way that uh, we the people understand. Right. Like, you know, we the people can read the Constitution and understand its meaning, but apparently our Supreme Court can't. Uh, as as I... Uh-huh. I was if there are nine people that need a reading comprehension plan, it's those justices, those high priests in black robes. Right, right. Uh, the, uh, the the previous guest, Scott Thompson from Right to Bear Insurance, uh, the best, most affordable concealed carry insurance on the market. Um, we, I was talking with him, and I said, like, the two clearest, most unambiguous statements in the U.S. Constitution are Congress shall make no law and shall not be infringed. Neither of those has any question to it. Like those, those are the clearest possible wordings. Yet the Supreme Court has come up with this whole strict scrutiny thing where as long as there's a compelling state interest and as long as they narrowly tailor the law, well, then we could do it. <laughs> which is evidence of the bad behavior, which is why they should no longer hold that office. Because Article 3, Clause 1 says the judges of the both the Supreme and inferior court shall hold their office during good, good behavior. behavior. Not, not life tenure. Good behavior. Exactly. Fantastic point. I love that. You also, I don't know how to bring this. I don't know how to segue here. The... Uh, <laughs> The idea of precedence. Okay, you know, stare decisis. Like, okay, let the let the old ruling stand. I I get that that's their starting position. 
old ruling is this. Let's this stand unless. I think there should be a step before that. Well, there's a there's a legal distinction between precedence, precedent and stare decisis. Precedent says, I have a situation before me. Let me see what previous people have written about that to give me some context and maybe a different understanding. Let me look at another point of view. Stare decisis says, I'm not going to change that decision unless I've got a really, really, really good reason to do so. And the con- the language of the Constitution of the United States is not a really, really, really good reason no. to those nine high priests in black robes. Really? Well, I, my, my suggestion was be that, you know, if those high... Those tyrants in black robes, as I usually say, the the tyrants on the bench, I think step one should be read the text of said law and say, is this constitutional? Like, that should be step one. Before even looking at the details of the case, step one is, oh, wait, so you want to put, again, going back to the previous guest, you want to do a thousand percent tax on firearms? Well, a tax is an infringement, shall not be infringed, unconstitutional, no case necessary, no witnesses necessary. We don't need a hearing. This law is unconstitutional. Oh, yeah. It, it, if they actually read the Constitution, we have to understand. Now, I've been doing this for several years now, and I always ask lawyers, every lawyer I meet, I ask them a question. When you were in law school, did you study the Constitution? Or constitutional law. I've had one gentleman in like six years tell me they studied the Constitution. Everyone else is playing telephone with the Constitution, Uh meaning some judge wrote an opinion, and then some judge wrote an opinion referring to that, another judge wrote an opinion referring Mm -hmm. to that. And when you look at Supreme Court uh, opinions, like I unfortunately have to, you almost never see the Constitution actually quoted. It's sometimes referred to, but they almost always quote a case, an opinion about what it actually says and what it actually means. Now, I have to, I, I, I was, you're familiar with the injunction preventing uh, the Biden administration from, inf- from using social media to censor? Yeah. yeah again, I, just, I, I just wrote an article about it. I, I went deep into the injunction. I love it. Not only did this this judge, a Dort, I believe his name is, not only did he actually quote the Constitution, he actually quoted the First Amendment as the First Amendment. He quoted several of our founding fathers. He quoted, uh, uh, he had quotes from people, and these are actual quotes of people, and said, wait a second, the law is quite simple here. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the reason he issued the injunction against, I think it was like, something like nine different departments and almost 40 different people is, he says, the evidence that's been shown is so egregious that not only does it show that that the uh, the plaintiffs will most likely win on the merits, he said, but it's an abridgment of the right of, they say free speech, most of it's actually freedom of the press. And that in is, in itself is is sufficient reason to stop it. It's such a, a uh, an egregious violation that we don't need to wonder. Well, is it really big enough to be to be a problem to not warrant the injunction? No, you're violating one of the fundamental rights 
inalienable rights of these people, it's automatically. If it's true, that's bad, and we have to stop it. Right. And that doesn't happen from our judges very often anymore. It's Very rarely. Very like, rarely. It, like, if, you, if you look at most of my reviews of court opinions, even the ones that, peop- that the right wing are lauding, hey, great, they did this. It's like, yeah. Like Dobbs. Okay. Dobbs, for example, I just wrote a, um, I just wrote a view of, uh, oh, yeah, the Postal Service, the, the, the right to, to not. And even though I think they came to the right answer, so much of the muckety-muck that was in there, they didn't get to the right answer for the right reason. And right. people ask, why is that a problem? Because the only reason that this man's right to celebrate the Christian Sabbath is protected is because uh, six of the nine justices said, yeah, we should let him have it. It's not based on the law. It's not based on the Constitution. It's simply based on the opinion of a judge, which means the next judge in line can simply say, no, nah, we don't think so. Right. And if you're not familiar with that case, it was a, I, I work for the post office, so I actually followed this case pretty well. And I live in Pennsylvania, and so did he. Um, <laughs> the, uh, this, this fella who works for the post office was hired before the post office had picked up this contract with Amazon. And at that time, which is when I got hired, <clears throat> you're a federal employee. You had Sundays and holidays off of work. And then we get this contract with Amazon. And all of a sudden, we're now having to work Sundays and holidays. And this guy said, that wasn't the rules when I was hired. When I was hired, I had Sundays off. I'm a Christian. Sundays are the Sabbath. You can't make me work on Sundays. That wasn't part of the, the shtick. When I took the job, mm-hmm. that's, and, the, and the court finally, you know, they, they upheld it and said, you're right. That wasn't the rules when you were hired. It's funny because he actually went to a different office that didn't have the Amazon contract, so he wouldn't have to work on Sundays. And then that office got added to it. I mean, he did everything right. And again, I believe he was right. They were right to say as federal employees, as government employees, his right to to freely exercise his religion um, could not be infringed by the Postal Service because it's a it's a government entity. I, it wasn't. It, a, what's really funny is I kind of jokingly said that when we got the Amazon contract, and that started. Mm-hmm. I, I was only with the post office for like six months, and I thought, "Hey, look, I'm a federal employee. I got Sundays and holidays off for the rest of my life." Woo-hoo! And then six months later, they're like, eh. um, <laughs> and, "And I even said, hey, my employer is the federal government. Can they do this First Amendment?" says, you can't infringe on my free exercise of religion. Right. Because the U.S. Postal Service is a creation of Congress. It owes its existence to Congress. It Therefore, Congress cannot make a law creating entity that infringes on the right. There's a logical link there that is missed in so much of the free expression uh, litigation that, that I see. Right. God forbid that Anyway, uh, uh, give me just a second to do one of these sponsor things, you know. Romika Designs, R-O-M-I-K-A, Romika Romika Designs, R-O-M-I-K-A, designs.com. Custom laser uh, engraving, custom laser cutting, 
anything that you can imagine that uh, can be made with a laser. My friend Ron over at RomicaDesigns.com can do it. His favorite thing to do is custom work. You can go there and you can look on his website. and He's got stuff where you can buy Christmas ornaments and crap that's already designed. But his favorite thing to do is custom work. So if you've got an idea of something that you want to have laser etched, laser engraved, laser cut, uh, email my friend Ron, RomicaDesigns.com. And while you're there, use the code Lighthouse. Save yourself a couple of dollars. That's uh, code Lighthouse at RomicaDesigns.com. R-O-M-I-K-A. <sighs> so, right. The Supreme Court, oh my God. The recent, um, uh, what do you call them? The, the Senate confirmations for judges have mm-hmm. wanted to make me cry for the future of our nation. The, the, I don't remember. I want to say it was Katanji Brown Jackson for the Supreme Court, but it may not have been. Hers was definitely the, I'm not, I'm not a biologist. I'm not going to define a woman. But I think it was, it was her, too, where she was being asked, well, can you tell me what Article 1 of the Constitution does? And she's like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? Articles, she, like, I can, if, you don't under, if you don't know what Article 6 says, okay. Article 5, maybe. Article 4, I might even give you a pass. But 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> and setting remember, up the legislature, the executive, and the judicial. And you're a judge. A federal judge, which means she took an oath to support this document. She has no clue what it says. Right, right. And that kills. I actually wrote an article about that recently. The, the idea of the oath of office. How many, literally millions of people take the oath of office, which says support and defend the Constitution of the United States. And they've never read the Constitution. They don't understand the Constitution. They don't. How can you swear an oath to something that you've never read or that you don't have a reasonable understanding of. Well, it gets even better than that. So how can you tell when a politician is lying? Their lips are moving. Right. But what does it say about the American people? That we knowingly and repeatedly hire liars, crooks, and thieves to exercise our power in our name. And then, you know, like, like uh, uh, I can't remember the, the officer's name in Casablanca. I'm shocked, shocked to find out that this man and woman or woman lied to me. Mm-hmm. You knew they were lying to when you hired them. Yep. Yeah. Joe in particular. Oh, my God. Joe Biden is the liar in chief. He has a history of lying. We all knew it back in the 1980s. But yet we kept electing him and now he's president. Which he is, had to step. He had to step away from a campaign because he got caught. Two. Yeah, he had to he, step he away. He got caught for plagiarism. Yeah, and yet the we still hired it. The first time for lying about his his college credentials and all that, and yep. the second time for plagiarism. Yeah, and yet we hired him. Uh-huh. Chris in Virginia on line one. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey guys. Hey guys. Uh, yeah. How you, how you guys doing? Great show. Um, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. Um, and I, I, I cannot th- not change the subject that much, but um, basically I saw a tweet today that rocked me in the recorder. Massachusetts Lieutenant Governor. All right, so that's the Vice Governor, right? Yeah. Massachusetts Lieutenant Governor. This horrible human being with 
together with the people behind her on the stage at the press conference, basically said, if you have a business and you have some extra space or an extra room, please consider hosting a migrant family. And blah, 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 and blah, 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 other things, other things. And by the way, if you have uh, an extra room or suite in your home, please consider housing a, a migrant family. Right now, our resources are the, the most important thing is, is housing. And, my, and I'm, my head almost exploded. I'm like, what? I heard that. And, and it doesn't make my head explode yet. I heard that, and I laughed. I'm yeah. okay. I'm okay with any government anywhere asking me if I will do something. I'm okay with asking. Because if you're asking, I can say no. <laughs> Why, well, yeah. Well, we know where it leads. <laughs> bingo. As long as it stays an ask, I'll just laugh at you. The minute you okay. tell me that, oh, well, you live in a four-bedroom house and there's only two people there, well, that means you've got three bedrooms that you could put migrants in. Not happening, my friend. <laughs> well, that lady even floating. All those people on that stage deserve to hang from a rope. I'm saying for her, even suggesting people should be getting up in arms. But again, like your cuz saying, if people are going to take it up the butt, guess what? They deserve it, right? That's right. We and, well, and you know we bring it on ourselves. We keep electing these idiots. Hey, Chris, thank you yeah. very much for your call. Always appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, call back next week. And I actually used to, I used to I lived in New York State for most of my life. I was right across the border from Massachusetts, and we had a lot of interesting names for people from Massachusetts. But if they're upset with the lieutenant governor asking them to uh, give up their rooms to to legal legal aliens, my question is: Why are you hiring her and the governor who put these policies in place in the first place? If you fix it, we spend too much time trying to, to, to fix the symptom, not fix the problem. The right. problem is we hire idiots to represent us, and we allow a system. We, we, we've allowed the system to become so corrupted that even if somebody, an honest person, were to try and run for office, they would be so vilified. I mean, oh, yeah. their family would be would be mocked and destroyed mm-hmm. for even daring to try. Yep. And we say, well, we've got no choices. Well, you've created, you've allowed a system to exist where, when people who actually would support the Constitution actually stand up and say, "Hey, I'll try," they get attacked, and get you do nothing. You do nothing to protect them. You do nothing to support them. You do nothing to help them. You sit going, gee, I wonder why Joe Nice Guy stopped running. Well, I, I have a, uh, I don't know, a parody presidential campaign, I guess you could say. I'm a federal employee. I'm forbidden from running for any office by the Hatch Act. But I made a PeterForPresident.com website, PeterForPresident.com, and I made a campaign speech announcement and i made a campaign state of the union address and and after this first set of republican debates here i'm probably going to like chop up the video and take the questions and then answer them myself and and have fun but yeah somebody like me is never gonna get elected somebody who says hey wait um you and i could read the constitution the constitution let's take article one that says plain and simple all legislative power 
is vested in a Congress of these United States. Mm-hmm. Okay. All legislative, legislative meaning lawmaking. Right. Right. Legislative meaning lawmaking. All right. lawmaking is vested in Congress, which means all of those executive bureaucrats making rules. No, that they're all unconstitutional, which means they're all null and void. Right. That isn't my words, Alexander Hamilton and multiple Supreme Court uh, precedent that an unconstitutional act is void. It doesn't create a law. It doesn't create a crime. You cannot be punished for it. It's as if it never happened. Right. But, you know, there's that whole uh, Administrative Procedures Act from was it 1946. Well, that says... Well, we can set up these these other agencies, and they can make regulations. Yeah, except that rule, that Administrative Procedures Act, is unconstitutional, therefore it's void. Right, because the Constitution says all legislative power shall be vested in the Congress of these United States. We, we have say, or other group agency, right. whatever, as created by Congress. We, we, we have a separation of powers for a very, very good reason. You do not want to vest... You want to see what happens when you vest too much power in one group of people? Uh, take a look at the current executive branch. I was just going uh, at, 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 at the, the, the evidence of lying, of tampering with elections, of uh, uh, malicious prosecution, um... It, of tampering with witnesses and that and, and the unwillingness to deal with the with the evidence of of bribery uh criminal drug use uh lying on federal forms that's what happens when you invest too much power in one of those branches yep and if, if we if, if we actually had a congress with a spine <laughs> um in addition to the the political show trials they're putting on they would be defunding the Department of Justice, the Department of Energy, the Department of Education, um, the FBI. Right? They would simply go, you don't get another dollar until you get your house in order and you prove it to us. Exactly. And it's and, – and, well, 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 then fix your problem. And if you can't fix a problem, then you don't get any money. We got two minutes left. I have to make an announcement, and then uh, you, I want people to be able to find you. My announcement is the next half hour – it's pre-recorded. I'm not here. I'm taking my beautiful wife out to a concert. Y'all have fun. I recorded something earlier today for y'all to listen to. Paul, where can we find you? Constitutionstudy.com is the best place to find me. I put out an article and a video every week. Uh, you can also find the podcast for that on your favorite podcast app. Just look for Constitution, the Constitution Study. Uh, I'm also on America Out Loud Talk Radio five days a week, 4 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, you can listen to that. You can also find those on podcast as well. And the one thing I love about my website, if you have a question, simply go there. There's an ask a question button, and I will do my best to answer your question, as long as it's about the Constitution. I occasionally get these weird questions. but <laughs> Well, I listened uh, just recently, was listening to an old interview with, uh, with Associate Justice Anton, Antonin Scalia, where he said at that time, and this is probably the early 90s, there were roughly 3,000 federal laws and three. 100,000 regulations, all of which created by executive branch agencies and therefore null and void, unconstitutional, don't exist, figments of our imagination. And like the emperor has no clothes, everybody goes along because they're afraid of saying no. 
Yep. I just want to be that lo- that little boy that goes, he's naked. <laughs> he is. He is. I am not sure what's going on, but we should be right about in a commercial break, but I'm not hearing any music. Mr. Producer, did you forget to turn my volume up or should I just keep talking? <laughs> there we go. Three minute break on the other side of the break. You got recorded me from earlier today. Peace, everybody. See you next week. I've been sleeping on a MyPillow pillow for years, and a couple of years ago, I tried the MyPillow towels, soft and absorbent, wonderful bath towels. Recently, I got the My Giza Dream Sheets, and they are by far the best quality bed sheets I've ever owned. And while the quilt is pretty awesome, too, new products being added all the time at MyPillow.com, including sandals and slides and pajamas and, well, everything that you need for sleeping. Use the code LIGHTHOUSE at MyPillow.com to save yourself up to 66% off. That's the code LIGHTHOUSE at MyPillow.com. The American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town Like a cancer that silently spreads There's an unspoken fear We're on our way down We must take America back Hey, welcome back to the final segment of National Intel Report live on Republic Broadcasting Network, Liberty Lighthouse on Mojo 5 Radio and Patriot Nation Radio Network. I'm Peter Serafine, your host, and well, we're not going to take any phone calls this segment because, to be quite honest, this isn't live anymore. This is now Memorex. This is recorded. My beautiful wife and I are running off to do something fun, so I can't be here for this last segment live. There is something very important that I want to talk about, and that is the National Interstate uh, Popular Vote Compact, or National Popular Vote Interstate Compact. I've talked about this before. This is a, well, this is a, a, an attempt to undermine one of the the Republican well, safeguards that's in our Constitution. It's Republican with a small R, Republican form of government, not Republican the party. See, our government was set up so that there are three elected offices at the federal level. That's our members of the House, our Senate, and our president. Our wise founding fathers, well, they set up three different methods to elect those three different offices. The House of Representatives was by popular vote within their district. And then originally, senators were elected by state legislatures, giving the states the powers to recall senators that weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing, and giving the states the power to counteract and or reject the methods that the federal government might be trying to do, the tyrannical things that large governments do. And the president was elected via the Electoral College, where each state was awarded a number of electoral votes equal to the number of representatives and senators that they had. And that state got to choose 
how to award those electoral votes. Now, this system set up three different ways to elect these people. Only in 1913, with the 17th Amendment, the Senate was already changed. The Senate became a popular vote statewide. So now they're basically just glorified members of the House of Representatives. There's a big push to make the president elected by the popular vote. And the most effective push that I've seen, most ingenious way of doing it, is this National Popular Vote Interstate Compact. So it's an agreement between certain states that they will award their electoral votes to the winner of the popular vote at the national level. Now, the, the agreement doesn't go into effect until the states or until the compact has the 270 votes needed to win the electoral vote. So it's an end run. It's a sidestep. It's a workaround to the electoral college. When I first saw this, I thought, well, that's stupid. That's never going to make it. Why, why would people do this? But now the interstate compact has over 200 of the 270 electoral votes that they need. They're getting close. I want to talk about a couple of the reasons that this is just stupid and against everything that our founding fathers established and set up and meant for our government. One of those is the fact that the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact just outright ignores the will of the people within their state. You see, if a state votes overwhelmingly for candidate A, but candidate B wins the popular vote for the entire country, and that state happens to be part of this group, it doesn't matter how their citizens voted. Their electoral votes go to the popular vote getter. It ignores you and I our votes, our wishes, within our own state. Attacking federalism itself. Now, this might seem like a good idea to those that think that our country is a democracy, or maybe to those people who want our country to be a democracy, but it's not. And this isn't even democracy. If this gets the 270 votes that's needed to enact the interstate compact, then our nation will have become some sort of Frankenstein's monster version of democracy where all of our federal officials are democratically elected, but democratically elected in different ways by different groups. And I I don't even know what what these people are thinking. So this effectively destroys the Electoral College, changes everything about how our president is elected. And, well, it's unconstitutional if you ask me, but I'm not a constitutional lawyer. I'm just a guy sitting behind a microphone who knows how to read. 
Article 1, Section 10, Clause 1 of the U.S. Constitution states, No state shall enter into any treaty, alliance, or confederation. End quote. Now it goes on to say some other stuff they can't do, but Treaty, Alliance, Confederation. Well, that sounds an awful lot like a compact to me. Article 1, Section 10, Clause 1. No state shall enter into any treaty, alliance, or confederation, grant letters of mark or reprisal, coin money, omit bills of credit, make anything but gold and silver coin, a tender in payment of debts, pass a bill of attainder, ex post pasto law, ex post facto law, or law impairing the obligations of contract, or grant any title of nobility. But the very first one in that rather lengthy, lengthy list is no state shall enter into any treaty, alliance, or confederation. And that's exactly what the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact is. It's a confederation, a treaty, or an alliance, an agreement that we're going to ignore our state. We're going to ignore the votes in our own state in favor of the votes of the country as a whole. Now, I don't know about you, but I want the people in my state to represent me in my state, not the greater country group. So this is being presented in each of the state houses. And if the state house passes it and the governor signs it and all the stuff that is required for it to become law in that state, then they become part of this agreement. Now, right now, like I said at the opening of this conversation, they have over 200 electoral votes already already lined up, already ready to go. And they've got a big push going to get enough to uh, well make this go into effect for 2024. So what do we do about it? How do we stop it? Well, like a lot of things, it's it's deal with your elected officials in your state house. Call your state house, write to your state house, email your state house, or walk down to the office where your state house representative or state senate representative has an office. I don't know about you, but I live in a small town in the middle of my state, and well, there's Offices for both the majority uh, in the House, the Senate, State Senate, and the the office of the majority leader of the State House are are both in my little town. So, just walk in and tell them how disgusting this is. Tell them that you want them to reject the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact, and. Maybe even to go far, it goes so far as to make a statement against it, pass a resolution condemning it, point out how it is directly an attack on the founding principles of this nation. 
I can't express enough how bad this idea is, how much this hurts the structure of our country. We've already ripped all power from the states in Washington, D.C. by the passage of the 17th Amendment and changing how the senators were elected. That's enough. I want to see the repeal of the 17th Amendment, but I understand that well, that's, a, that's a tough road to hoe. That's a constitutional amendment. That's, well, that's not likely to happen. Only once in the history of this country has a constitutional amendment been repealed. Coincidentally, that repeal is the only time one of our constitutional amendments went to state conventions instead of state legislatures to be ratified. So we've got to do something, so call your state. Beat on their door. Email them. Text them. Yell at them. It's got to stop. It might be too difficult to recall the or uh, repeal the 17th, but we can stop this from ever happening. This is done at your state level. You know, everybody always says that all politics is local. Well, here's a prime example. This is a push at the state level at your state house that has national impacts and will change the structure of how our president is elected. Our founding fathers were, well, quite frankly, they were afraid of democracy. They saw democracy as mob rule. Thomas Jefferson even used those words, referring to democracy as a mob, where 50% plus one vote could strip the rights away from the other 50% minus one vote. Our government, our republic, was structured in such a way to make that more difficult. It was structured in a way where the minority still had a little bit of say, a little bit of power. They could stop the uh, government from just rolling over anybody's rights that they wanted. Well, this is one of the ways that our opponents, those opposed to liberty and republicanism and federalism, well, they're using the structure of our government against us. And I do have to give them credit. It's quite ingenious. But it's still evil. Still something that must be stopped. Now with that, let's take a quick sponsor break. I've been sleeping on a MyPillow pillow for years, and a couple of years ago, I tried the MyPillow towels, soft and absorbent, wonderful bath towels. Recently, I got the My Giza Dream Sheets, and they are by far the best quality bed sheets I've ever owned. And while the quilt is pretty awesome, too, new products being added all the time at MyPillow.com, including sandals and slides and pajamas and, well, everything that you need for sleeping. Use the code LIGHTHOUSE at MyPillow.com to save yourself up to 66% off. That's the code LIGHTHOUSE at MyPillow.com. So the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact actually plays right into the article that I wrote and posted uh, yesterday on 
Wednesday, August 9th, 2023. The article titled, New Paradigm, the Continuum of Government Control. In this article, I say that the left-right way of viewing things, the left-right side of the political aisle has been perverted over the, well, centuries that it's been used. And I propose a new paradigm, a new way of looking at the left and the right. And in the article on, on the far left is is complete 100% government control over, well, everything. So you're talking totalitarian government, whether that's a totalitarian dictator or a monarch or a democracy. It's a government where they control everything about the economy, everything about society, everything about everything on the far left. Then on the far right, you have no government. You have complete anarchy. And then, of course, several other forms of government are pictured in the diagram. You know, from left to right, you have the totalitarians and then the communists and the socialists. Then you get toward the middle and the centrists and then, well, a republic, like classical liberalism. And then continuing to the right, you end up with the modern libertarian before you get to the anarchy on the far right. So the whole idea of this article was to say that well, the left-right paradigm doesn't fit. It doesn't work anymore because well, the idea that you can go too far to the left and end up on the right or too far to the right and end up on the left, making it a circular view, is ridiculous. And using government control as the axis, I think, makes the most sense. The more government controls anything the fewer freedoms we have, so they are juxtaposed. In the article, I say that our founding fathers, our classically liberal founding fathers, placed our government, well, to the right of center in my new continuum. When they created our constitutional republic, they gave very specific, limited powers to a federal government. And that put us on that spectrum to the right of center. But because of government expansion, having you know 450 federal departments and agencies now that are responsible for creating, I think we're up to 300,000 regulations versus the 3,000 actual federal laws that have been passed by Congress, we are giving more control to our federal government, and therefore we're moving to the left on that spectrum, closer to total government control. The National Popular Vote Interstate Compact, well, that's just another way that we're sliding to the left of that continuum. Our founding fathers set up a government that definitely was not a democracy. But that's what this interstate compact thing is trying to do, is to create some Frankenstein's monster version of democracy. And I don't think we can allow that to happen. We need to 
reach out. We need to voice our concerns and fix this problem. The National Popular Vote Interstate Compact. Though I think it's unconstitutional on its face and would probably be struck down once it made it to the courts, we don't want to wait that long. How many elections might be held while this thing is in place before it makes it through this court system and gets fixed? I don't know, but I don't want to have to deal with it. Speaking of the court systems, just a reminder that the duty of a jury class is available in the Liberty Lighthouse classroom, teaching you, or whomever takes the course, teaching them that, well, the power and rights of a jury to decide both the facts and the law. If you'd like a brief preview of what that course looks like, there's an article on that on my website, too. Go to liberty-lighthouse.com in the blog area, and uh, I don't know, just about a, a week ago, The Power of a Jury, Safeguarding the, Our Republic is another article that's there, and that article is kind of a high level, this is what you learn in this class, and of course the class goes into much more detail of where these rights came from and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I'm pretty sure that we spoke about the class in the first segment of this show, the, the, don't want to continue to push the Liberty Lighthouse classroom down your throat, but I do need one more member, one more Lighthouse Lightkeeper to uh, to cover the ongoing expenses of hosting these courses, the, the hosting fees from, from the provider. One more paid Lighthouse Lightkeeper, or Lighthouse Keeper, and uh, all of my ongoing expenses are covered, so if you're Willing to do that, I'd greatly appreciate it. Go to liberty-lighthouse.com slash classroom and click the Lighthouse Lightkeeper. I'd greatly appreciate it. So, back to yesterday's article, the continuing parrot, uh, uh, continuing, oh, the continuum of government control, the left-right paradigm, the way I see it. That Article is written about forms of government and where they fall on that list, but I think it applies to the uh, the political parties as well. I think if you think back, let's say JFK's day, when you had a Democrat who, well, he wasn't anywhere near as far left as the modern Democrats. So the Democrat Party has moved to the left on that paradigm as also they they lean more and more toward wanting government control of our lives and i don't think it's just the democrat party i'm pretty sure the republican party has been doing the same thing it's been a very long time since we've had political party people, uh, leadership in particular, it's been a very long time since we've had these politicians who would say, hey, you know what? Free health care, well, that is a good idea, but unfortunately, it's unconstitutional. It's not in the Constitution, and therefore our federal government can't do it. If you want free health care, you need to go to your state government or your county government and get your state or county to pay for it. 
When was the last time we had politicians that stood up and said, oh, well, gun control, we can't do that at the federal level. The Constitution says shall not be infringed. But the Constitution is for the federal government. You want gun control? Go to your state legislature. Or abortion, the same thing. It's not mentioned in the Constitution. And therefore, the federal government has no jurisdiction. You want there to be a right to abortion in your state? Or you want abortion to be completely outlawed in your state? You have to go to your state government. They have that power and authority. We don't have enough politicians that do that on any issue. They see a supposed problem or perceived problem or they make up a problem and then they use the power and the force of the federal government to fix the problem, even though it's outside the scope of the Constitution and therefore outside the scope of our federal government. We want to fix our republic. We want to save our republic, return it to the constitutional republic that it once was. We need to find those people. We need to find people that understand that if it is not in the Constitution, if it is not explicitly in the Constitution, then the federal government can't do it. And more specifically, if it's not in Article 1, Section 8, it's not one of the first 17 things listed in Article 1, Section 8, then Congress can't do it. Congress has no authority. But your state government does. This goes back to the idea that all politics is local. We need we need John Q. Public. We need the citizenry, the electorate of this country, to understand the Constitution again so that they can elect politicians who understand the Constitution again. This is where we are after 40, 50 years, whatever, 43 years of the Federal Department of Education cutting back and cutting back and cutting back about the teaching of American history or morphing American history into this, you know, the, the 1619 project and CRT and all of that kind of stuff. The founding principles have been lost. Our young people today do not understand the search for liberty that our founders went through. That's what we need to return. Our citizenry needs to learn this again. So do your best. Talk to When you're talking to your friends, don't just spout opinion. Tie it back to the Constitution so that they understand. Do like I did. Buy boxes of pocket constitutions and hand them out. You'd be surprised how many people have never read it haven't even looked at it since elementary school. That's the key to the success of this nation. We were a great nation because of the Constitution. We can only 
remain and return to being that great nation by adherence to that constitution again. We need to slide back to the right on the continuum of government control and give the power and control back to we the people and the state governments the way it was supposed to be. That's all I have for tonight. If you are listening live on Republic Broadcasting Network, stay tuned for Edge of Darkness with Jeffrey Bennett. Thanks to our guests for joining us this evening. Thank you, Mike, my producer. Could not do the show without you. Thank you, most of all, listeners and callers. You're why we do this show. And until next week, protect your liberties. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America. We must take America back. Main Street to Wall Street. Cities and states. Washington, D.C. Before it's too late, there's not long. We need leaders who lead us, not stick us and bleed us. Then ransom our future and our children's, that's wrong. Take America back